JFPN is the world's first and only sci-fi-themed independent wrestling podcast. At least, that's what they tell the people of planet Earth. In reality, it's simply the greatest wrestling podcast in the multiverse. JFAB, no saigo no episode today. It's not like we can just go back in time. That's it. That's her. That's the sound of her engine. Rita is my Rita. It's my retardis. Jay, grab your favorite beard wax and 13 pounds sterling. We're going back to 1988. Something's wrong with my retardis. She's spinning out of control. I'm throwing her into emergency mode because I'm trattering you to follow me. I'm contacting you as we spin uncontrollably through the time vortex using my telepathic powers. I wanted to tell you about my secret identity as a time duke. There are two robot duplicates who will be taking our place in 2019. You'll be able to find me if you just look for Jay Faber. The time duke known as Rich is no longer detected in this timeline. Emergency podcast system initiated. Recording online. J-Bot initiated. Self-awareness terminated. Personality emulation engaged. Tonight on JFPM Purecast, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion has landed. We are online and ready to move into a new era as we introduce those of you new to the product to the NJPW title scene. John Moxley fights the young lion Shoto Umino. We talk Suzuki Gun and Zack Sabre Jr. and check in with Jushin Thunder Liger Retirement Tour. Jay White's Bullet Club faces new faction Taguchi Japan and we ask the question, without the elite, are they spread a little thin? Tomohiro Ishii and Taichi battle it out for the Never Openweight Championship. Evil and Sonada face the current five-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. Plus... Fresh off his best of the Super Juniors win, Progress Wrestling mainstay Will Offspray tries his luck against Junior Heavyweight Champion Dragon Lee. It's going to be a great show. Stick around. My name is Bear Rich. Of course, I will be joined as ever by my anatomically correct friend Jay. Then, Tetsuya Naito tries to finally bag his white whale, Golden Star Kotorobushi, who's holding the only intercontinental title of any legitimacy nowadays. Chris Jericho intends to outdo the rainmaker Kazuchika Okada as part of his cross-promotional pissing contest with Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And then, we talk G1. What is it? Who's in it? And what do they win? Come find us on Twitter. This is... The JFPN Purocast, episode one. Hey Jay, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, just uh, making some notes for the podcast, Rich. Cool, cool. Um, I've also been doing stuff for the podcast. I have, of course, um, recorded that lovely intro that we had just then. Thoroughly what enjoyed was it. All that time juke stuff about time juke stuff. You know, the stuff that was on the. Advert? Um, d- seem like nothing to me. Uh, right. Yeah, no. Which which bit? The bit where I t- the bit where I talk about New Japan. I, d- I don't know anymore. I don't know. It's, it's gone. Hmm. Well, 
now that Jay's decided to stop being weird, um, <laughs> so Dominion. Dominion. How Dominion, did you find yeah. Dominion? Dominion was a great show. It was like a breath of fresh air. This one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because of course you've been show. you've been worried overall about the New Japan Pro Wrestling product. Um, I have. Yeah, yeah. Because on yeah, the back of uh, what you felt was fairly dis- dis- disappointing kind of Wrestle Kingdom this year, it was terrible. <laughs> it was a terrible Wrestle Kingdom. It was the worst one I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, Dominion was a great show. It seems like they're getting back on top of the product now. Yeah, I mean, um, I will say that it's probably one of the lesser um, Wrestle Kingdoms that I have seen. But at the same time, it pisses all over the WrestleMania we had this year. <clears throat> Anything pisses over WrestleMania. Yep. Um, I also like the G1 Supercard that they recently did as well um, over that weekend. I thought that, that was kind of them moving towards the right track, and I certainly think that with this this year's Dominion, I think they're pretty much where they need to be now. Um, I I think they've got yeah, really, no, really they've, they've definitely they've definitely got there. Right foot in front of their left, as people say sometimes. Some people do say that, right? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> moving on. John, 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 the, what are you drinking today, Jay? No, I've got a left here. It's Lepron. Um, uh, yeah, it's a tasty, okay. tasty treat for a Friday night. I am on Jammy Red Root, um, as beer is not compatible with my insight. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just drinking drinking a bit of red wine. bit of red wine, a bit of jammy, jammy, sweet, sweet, tasty roux. Yeah, no, that's exactly, exactly what it tastes like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like like if you, took, if you took a kangaroo and just kind of folded it in on itself into a nice red mush and just... Let it slide, slide down your esophagus. Who's that? Who's that made by again? Um, Yellowtail, I think. Well, they need sponsors because. Yeah, yeah. I've just, I've just did an advert. Yeah, I just did an advert. It's funny. Um, funny you should say that. We actually have our first sponsor. I'll reveal them later in this show. Um, moving on. Um, John Moxley starts off. With the Young Lion Shota Umino. Um, for those of you not familiar with the New Japan product, of course, um, we're going to try and introduce you to the New Japan product as briefly and as briskly as we possibly can. Shota Umino is a member of the Young Lions, which is effectively um, the dojo um, trained. They're basically the NXT locker room, but for New Japan Pro Wrestling, I would say. Um, They have the Lionsgate promotion, um, which is like their NXT takeovers. Um, They're fairly good. They all wear black pants. They don't get gimmick. And um, generally, they are forced to um, lock onto the basics. Um, Very often, you'll find they'll finish a match with a Boston Crab or similar. Um, And naturally... They are also the ring crew at these events. Um, Shota Umino is one of the up-and-comers from that. John Moxley um, faced him and defeated him in just under four minutes. It's three minutes and 52 seconds. John Moxley is, of course, um, Dean Ambrose, as he is known to WWE fans. He is fresh on the back of his first singles match 
outside of the WWE, in which he won the US Heavyweight Championship um, from Juice Robinson. What did you think to this um, match? I mean, obviously, it's a case of stick John Moxley on the undercard because now New Japan Pro Wrestling have him and he has a belt on him, um, and obviously he needed to make an announcement. Um, what did you think of this match? It was fairly, fairly throwaway, wasn't it, overall? I don't think it was, I don't think it was throwaway. I thought it was quite a good quite a good match um, the line had a really good showing John Moxley showed that his capability um, outside the walls of WWE is extensive his his wrestling capability mm. his submission um, capability his striking capability his power move capability it's, it's all there yeah, I mean, he's done a fair amount of MMA training, um, I believe, since leaving the WWE. That seems to have been one of his more kind of his more kind of hobby-like pursuits outside of the WWE because it's there is a good way to keep in shape as well. Well, exactly, exactly, as we both attest to. Um, how's yeah, how's, yeah. how's that eight pack going, Jay? Oh, my eight pack is going great. I've also got one in my back as well. Yeah, no, of course. Um, he is a machine. Um, <laughs> moving forward, Shota Umino obviously had a good show early in the match. He did a suicide dive over the top rope. John Moxley soon hit him with a mat-based um, submission style, followed by several heavy strikes, um, and then finally put him away with the Dirty Deeds double underhook DDT. Um, level one. Yes, indeed. Level one of the John Moxley way. Um, all in all, all right, showing. He then announced that he was going to be in the G1. The G1 tournament. He did. He did announce he was going to be in the G1. Of and course. I fucking called it. Yes, had you have been listening. Here first. Yeah, had you have been oh, listening no, to our podcast, you would, of course, know that we called that. Um, so, yeah. Shingo Takaki then followed up by defeating Satoshi Kojima. Um, that was in a singles match, 11 minutes, 14 seconds. Um, Shingo Takagi, have you had a chance to see Shingo Takagi, the newest member of Los Incognables to Japan? Oh, that guy. I have, yeah. <laughs> the dragon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the runner-up yeah. in this year's Best of the Super Juniors. He lost out to um, Will Ospreay, um, who we'll be talking about a little bit later, former um, Dragon Gate member. Yeah, just yeah, thoroughly yeah. impressive. Yeah, no, um, I wasn't too sure on him when he first came in, but he is probably um, one of the top-tier talents within LIJ. Yeah, I, I definitely say doubt. that he's gone straight in as the new guy and then gone straight to the top of Los Incognables. Um So he was with Dragon Gate between 2004 to 2018, Ring of Honor 2006-2008, um, other promotions, just independent Japanese, um, 2006-2009, and he joined New Japan Pro Wrestling in October of last year. Other than that, um, he's one to look out for. He'll definitely make many more appearances on this podcast, um, but just generally a fairly set Satisfying match against um, against veteran Satoshi Kojima, of course. Um, moving on because we're trying to aim for the title. Moving scene on mostly. Swiftly. Yep. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger 
and um, Yoshihashi. They faced Suzuki Gun, the team of Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. in a tag team match. Lasted 9 minutes 39 seconds. Of course, this being Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement tour, um, he and Yoshihashi certainly got the best of Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, thoughts on these two? How did you feel that this match went? Um, as I'm aware that you've watched Surprise it. Surprise victory. It was a surprise victory. Mm. Uh, you can see that at the end. Um, yeah, I can't remember how it ended. I think it was just some kind of roll up or a crucifix or something like that. Yeah, I think Zack Saber Junior took the pin as well. Um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the match. Um, can't quite remember the match because <laughs> I got a memory like a sieve. Yeah, um, <laughs> your, me- your memory seems it. to have been fairly fairly sporadic recently. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but. Um, yeah, no, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Um, mm. But yeah, no, they're obviously um, Suzuki Gun, really good tag team, um, and yeah, they're pretty awesome. Kind of been within the last week. What? Your memory problems? Maybe, maybe. Just very peculiar. Now I think about it. Seems like nothing to me. Taguchi Japan, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Ryosuke Taguchi. Um, defeated the Bullet Club, Jay White, Chase Owens, and Taiji Ishimori in a six-man tag team match. Nine minutes, 48 seconds. Thoughts? Um, lower Bullet Club, with leader of Bullet Club, go into a tag team match and lose, I believe. Yeah, fair play. Do you think the Bullet Club's yeah. stretched a little thin um, since the exit of yeah. Cody Rhodes, the yeah, no, and I've, I've... Kenny Omega? The whole New Japan Pro Wrestling was stretched thin when the Elite left. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it was a bit of a dropping the ball on their part, I feel. Um, especially considering how low on the card the Young Bucks were at um, Wrestle Kingdom and the fact that they were they have been a mainstay in New Japan Pro Wrestling for several years now and they kind of left without any fanfare same with Kenny Omega to some degree and they just slotted Jay White in and thought he would have the same level of charisma and fan following um, obviously the fact that it's Dominion and he is nowhere near any championship um, shows that there's still quite a bit of work to do to build him up within the eyes of the um, regulars in Japan the regular fans so interesting times um, this one of the first times I feel that the Bullet Club have not been the dominant stable um, within New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, would you say that that's the case? I would say that's the case. You're looking at Lij or Suzuki Gun being the top stable at the moment. Yeah, within New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bullet Club need to work themselves back up. Yeah. I would say that that is the case. Of course, um, our major matches of the night are the five championship matches that followed this. Um, Starting off, Tomohiro Ishii and Taichi. 11 minutes, 16 seconds for the Never Open Weight Championship. Now, those of you that are new to the product... The Never Openweight Championship is a professional wrestling championship owned by New Japan Pro Wrestling and never 
is an acronym of the terms New Blood, Evolution, Valiantly, Eternal and Radical. Um, It was their developmental and external um, promotion, as it were, um, a series of pay-per-views that contained people who were not permanent members of the um, open weight class, as it were. In addition... Um, it has had many champions throughout its time. The first champion was Masato Tanaka, um, who pinned Carl Anderson at the end of a grueling 16-man tournament for the title. Um, this was back in 2012, um, and it has gone on to be one of the most prestigious championships. I would say within the within the group, it just slots nicely where the European Championship was supposed to slot within WWE, right there under under the kind of Intercontinental belt or around the Intercontinental belt, offering something slightly different. Um, what do you think has owed to the success of the Never Open Weight Championship in comparison to, say, the European Championship? Well, the Never Open Weight Championship means a hell of a lot more than the European Championship ever did. No, of course. Um, I, I, the, the Never... Um, Open Championship is a gateway to the um, IC or even the the World Heavyweight Championship title. Yeah, I mean um, within New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I mean it's not unusual for you to see um, former champions um, of well, former either IC or um, actual heavyweight champions holding the never open weight championship and using that prestige to elevate other people off the undercard and into the into the top title picture. Is would you say that that's the case? I would say that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you spot on with mm. that one. And that, I, I suppose that's what that title, type of title will best be utilised for. I don't think um, WWE have managed to use an intermediary title like that um, in such an effective way since um, John Cena held the US title, um, if I'm utterly honest. I don't know whether you'd kind of hit hit me with that or whether, or whether you've got any other champions that you could probably compare it to for our new listeners. Yeah, no, no, I would totally, totally say. Um, my mind kind of falls to um, maybe Samoa Joe with the NXT Championship. Samoa Joe with the NXT Championship was when Samoa Joe came into into TNA. He had an undefeated streak and went on to win the NXT Championship. Went well. It, not the NXT Championship. He went on to win the X Division yeah. Championship, and he held that title for a very long time. Mm. Um, and then he moved into the World Heavyweight Championship title after that. Yeah, of course. And it was, but yeah, you could say that that was a gateway. Um, obviously, uh, with Austin Aries, he created an option C where um, he could just drop the title and say, "I'm using this title for a number of contendership match." against the world, world champion and that's been used a few times in the, in the years of TNA and forward slash impact yeah no, that's fair that's fair um, that makes perfect sense to me um, Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi um, should quickly shall I quickly give a rundown of um, these two competitors yeah, good. <laughs> um, Tom Hero issue, of course, started his career in 1996, where he wrestled for a promotion called Wrestle Association R, that's abbreviated WAR War, and um, captured the War International Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship with um, Yasunoka, and again in 1999. 
After war folded in the year 2000, he became a free agent. He went on to wrestle with promotions such as World Entertainment Wrestling, Fight World of Japan Wrestling, and in 2003, he made appearances for Pro Wrestling Zero One Max, where he won the NWA Lightweight Tag Team Championship with Tatsuhito Takaiwa. Um, if you fast forward to 2004, 2005, he started making sporadic appearances for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and within this time, he had moved into a heavyweight class due to his strength as his stature had held him in junior heavyweight previously. He did put on quite a fair amount of weight during that time. In 2006, he started to work for New Japan Pro Wrestling full-time, where he formed a tag team called um, Heisei no Gokoru Kombi with um, Toru Yano and took part in prestigious G1 Tag League of that year. Um, he was also a part of a stable called The Villainous Great Heel, which due to translation issues um, is abbreviated GBH until 2009 when he then with the rest of the faction Yano, Gado, Giant Bernard, Carl Anderson um, turned on their leader um, Togi Makabe and went on to form a new faction under the leadership of Jay Shinsuke Nakamura thanks for pronouncing that for me I have a real problem with it (laughs) of course of course Um, in 2010 he was in a notable feud with Tiger Mask where they had a hair versus mask match which the Pitbull lost and was forced to have his head shaved at the end of it after this shaving Ishii attacked and unmasked his rival Um, he then went on to don the black Tiger Mask a very symbolic act within the Tiger Mask lore Um, he's the arch nemesis of Tiger Mask wearing that mask does make you a marked man within the Tiger Mask universe Um, the rivalry culminated um, on February the 20th at the New Beginning pay-per-view in a mask versus mask match which Ishii then lost in the years to come, Ishii picked up many titles, such as the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship, which he held just once, um, also holding just once the ROH World Television Championship, which he won from NXT mainstay Bobby Fish, two-time Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship, beating both Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki on separate occasions, and also a four-time Never Openweight Champion, at least when he went into this match. His biggest feud to date, his most famous feud, as it were, is his recent 2017 to 2018 feud with Suzuki Gun leader Minoru Suzuki. Um, Jay, what's your thoughts on Ishii? Um, any favourite matches that spring to mind? What's my thoughts on Ishii? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Consider it, considering I have just <laughs> wrote I'm sorry I've just read a bio piece that you yourself wrote <laughs> what are your thoughts on him what are my thoughts on Ishii um, yeah no he's, he's good <laughs> Jay he's a poet yeah. on the page and a drunkard in the the language no, he's 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 um, he obviously 
is really good at the strong style. Yeah. And the strong style. <laughs> he is good at the wrestling. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for thanks for adding that and also oh, riding like on wrestling. my life slowly. <laughs> um, yeah, my favourite matches with him um, is probably his feud with um, with Kota Ibushi. Oh, Ibushi, okay. Yeah, um, I like the fact that his feud with Kota Ibushi took Ibushi from a young, high-flying star um, and turned him into somebody who could absorb one hell of a lot of strong-style punishment. He was really well-placed during that, um, and every single match, Ibushi got a little bit further and Ishii went a little bit further. Um, He brought out a side to many of his opponents that he is unable to bring out um, well that they are unable to bring out against anybody else including um, Taichi Ishikari it was mentioned by Kevin Kelly during this match that um, many people in the locker room kind of think that Taichi kind of coasts um, and they often look at his matches with Ishii and wonder why they can't get that Taichi in their matches um, of course Taichi is now known as just Tai Chi rather than Tai Chi Ishikari. He has worked his 15-year career primarily in New Japan Pro Wrestling with an early early career start at All Japan before he moved on to New Japan Pro Wrestling two years later. He also entered the 2004 World X Cup. um, That was TNA. I would have seen that, but I don't remember him. I think he will have looked very different back then. Um, obviously, we are talking 15 years ago, and very much yeah, like um, yeah. AJ Styles looks like his own baby if you go back to TNA during that period. Tai Chi um, is, has a fairly distinct look now, which has taken many years to kind of composite in from um, his surroundings, I, I assume. Um, obviously, TNA is now known as Impact. That's before Jay robotically attempts to correct me. Um, Every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Um, tai Chi has been in an upward swing in the last couple of years. Uh, he's currently settling at 117, um, which is his highest position in the PWI 500. This is his second never open weight title. He has also held the CMLL Heavyweight Championship as well as holding the Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles once. This is the first match Tai Chi has ever competed in in which he has received four stars who from um this is dave Meltzer and the wrestling observer oh right yeah, yeah which surprises me it surprises me because i would have thought with him being um with him being japanese in origin and many of his matches taking place in the tokyo dome he would have spunked to five and a half on him at some point well well you know Ironically, Tai Chi is actually one of the very few members of um, New Japan Pro Wrestling roster who has got a minus one in one of his matches. So, just something to think about. Really? Yes, a minus a one? minus one. It will take me... Is that 16 on the Dave Meltzer scale? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, obviously, it's not like any kind of normal normal kind of rating scale because that would have rules and stick to them um, obviously I really like the start of this match um, where Ishii was lying down he no-sell a load of spots while saying come on then come on then to Tai Chi really nice kind of 
really nice kind of way of doing it i would do it in the pub if i was a, if i was going to have a fight in the pub if i didn't think it would lead to me getting my face caved in uh, so after that um after the stomping um tai chi face washed ishii um ishii then started to stand up as and tai chi kept hitting him no selling and then we had one strong forearm to the face by um ishii to tai chi and took him straight to the mat that was brutal as though wasn't it it really, was really, a strong, yeah. strong forearm I, uh, that was not showing any light at all. <laughs> yeah, it was an MMA forearm. It was not a wrestling forearm. It was not straight worked. to the face. Yeah. That was that was no foot with me. That was that was kind of right up there. Forearm, that, right to the yeah. face. <laughs> that was right up there with Steve O getting his face caved in by Umaga that time. <laughs> that did happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Best thing in WWE ever. Apart from the rest of the product, of course. What's wrong with the product? It's, um, it's fucking awful, mate. I don't know what you're watching. Uh, so... Yeah. From there, uh, Taishi uh, beat um, Ishii in a strong style battle. Uh, that was fucking surprise wasn't it yeah no it's unusual for anyone to be issue in a strong style battle especially considering the the very strong core and low center of dra- gravity that come with issue of course um really really well put together really enjoyed that and there was a nice uh, tight angle back suplex by tai chi on um issue i mean tight angle which again tight angle is the word i mean if it was any tighter it would be tight high angle yeah, it was. Yeah. It was his neck. It was devastating. That As one. I say, if it was any tighter, it would be a sixteen-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you can say that. <laughs> I think I just did. I think you just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! What sixteen is legal? <laughs> All right then. Cool. Um, <laughs> so Tai Chi seems to have an answer for everything um, that Ishii um, was trying to do, um, and also trying to get advantage at the same time. This is partly Tai Chi having an emotional investment in the defeat of Ishii. Of course, um, it's been a long time coming, but this is a fight that Tai Chi, as a character, really wants to win. This is unusual for him. He very often comes down to the ring and kind of kind of fights but not he's not willing enough to risk his he's not willing enough to risk his physical health um which ties into his character which is of course this miming kind of swaying kind of superstar kind of singer model type um and this is obviously you know his his way of his way of going beyond that um at least in the case of Ishii that level of that level of rage and that that antagonism is there where it may be lacking for someone like you know Chase Owens in a tag match or whatever Chase Owens in a tag match or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have any other type of match does he he wrestles as a single competitor sometimes <laughs> doesn't he maybe I don't know who knows I don't know if maybe. that if 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 you're uh, if you're 
analogy of re- well, if your description of wrestling applying it to Chase Owens was any fucking looser, it'd be a sixty-eight-year-old man. <laughs> oh, I love the analogies going off here, and then from there, uh, Stone Pitbull wins after showing after a great showing from Tai Chi, but with a brain buster. And now Ishii is the five-time never openweight champion. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a massive fan of Ishii, as you know. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, this is definitely um, one of the best showings I've seen from Chai Chi. I really liked him to retain this title, as I don't think he's actually held it for that long. Um, this actually, for me, told a story of a cocky up-and-coming heel trying to get over the vet Ishii to no avail as his strength was too much for him to overcome. Yeah, of course. I mean, Ishii has shown time and time again that his main strategy is to take a beating, um, ensure that he has enough gas left in the tank to wear his opponent out. It's classic Ishii booking, and considering the amount of weight he's lost over the last year or so, it's been interesting to see him compact his form and work out on his core while maintaining that solid base. I do apologise as a dog in the background. <laughs> well, that's all right, mate. Yeah. No, I'm not apologising to you. I'm I'm apologising to our listeners, Jay. Oh, okay, fine. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. Taisho is, of course, being the bigger of the two is unusual between the two of them. Um, usually, Taichi is the is the lighter of the two. Um, it certainly allowed him to go heavy on Ishii. A lesser opponent might not have. Um, ended up in the situation well a lesser opponent wouldn't have overcome obviously but obviously yeah a lesser opponent to Tai Chi would not have overcome I think that's how's that jammy root coming up pronouns pal (laughs) Um, yeah yeah that's that's do you think this match was worth Tai Chi's first ever four star rating yes just a simple yes yeah yeah put it at four star would you put it any higher lower no, if if we're doing a Dave Meltzer scale, then I'll flip it up to 15. But mm. if we're doing four out of five, I would yeah say that he was he was definitely um, deserving of that. Yep, well done, Tai Chi. Incidentally, this is Ishii's eleventh four-star matchup this year. Um, IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team Championship: Evil and Sonata versus the Gorillas of Destiny. Um, Jay, do you want to have a have a have a pop at trying to describe the Gorillas of Destiny to people, or shall I just just go to town on it? Just gonna do my gonna do some stretches. Yeah, you're gonna, do, gonna get my choice. Stri- yep, yep, yep. He's yep. <coughs> the best. <laughs> <laughs> Tamatonga, Tonga Loa started their respective careers under uh, the tutelage of Tonga. Tonga Fafita. Tonga Fafita, <laughs> <laughs> aka Haku. Um, should have said Haku. Um, who is known yeah. as one of the hardest motherfuckers backstage in WFE and WCW in history of wrestling. Um, yeah, I mean, if you ever get a chance to listen to um, the Bruce Pritchard episode in regards to Fatu or anything that Tony Schiavone ever does, um, which is set around the nineteen the nineteen nineties and WCW, particularly the early nineties, Haku comes up a lot and every single story about him is terrifying absolutely fucking terrifying well they also wrestled under Ricky Santana at the renowned Team 3D Academy owned by the Dudley Boys 
Hmm. Surprisingly. Um, I be- yeah, yeah, no, of course. I believe in 2008, before they were called G.O.D., they adapted the name Sons of Tonga. And in 2009, they had a WWE tryout where Tonga Lau was successful. He made it into NXT under the name of Camacho, while Tama went to Puerto Rico and then to Japan in May 2010. And in 2013, he became a founding member of the Bullet Club. That's right, Rich. Led to the, yes. Uh, on it February led to the 14th. recent split. <laughs> on February. This is an OG. Yeah, OG. He is a family yeah, member. OG. He is the OG. OG. He is a family member. He is the OG. G. OG. On February the 14th, 2016, um, uh, NJPW's The New Beginning, um, we had um, the Bullet Club, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson unsuccessfully challenging of the remnants of GBH. Uh, Tamatonga entered the ring to challenge for the tag team titles with a new Bullet Club member and was revealed to be Tonga Lau and in the invasion attack at the invasion attack sorry 2016 DOD defeated GBH to capture their first IWGP tag team championship at that event that is a lot of letters to memorise when you are drunk Um, so well done there Jay, um, in their career, they have been ranked as single wrestlers by Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Tama is number one three two out of five hundred. Um, Jay, what was low? Uh, there's one hundred and forty out of uh, five hundred. That was in two thousand seventeen for both of them, um, respectively. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no, that's, became, I think that's about fair. And they've actually became the five-time and current IWGP Tag Team Champions and the one-time Wrestle Circus Big Top. Tag team champions. And we love a bit of Wrestle Circus. Love that Wrestle Circus. And are the current one time ROH um, tag team champions, obviously, because they're a double champion at the moment. So I'm going to record, I'm going to refer to my notes now. Um, I'm very well noted, Jay. <laughs> I'm going to refer to my notes now on Evil and Sonata. <clears throat> ah, gonna take a quick I think sip you should. I think you should. This is going to be a long one. Evelyn Sonata. <laughs> Evil and Sonata are tag team specialists <laughs> who have fought together. And on that note, we're going to have our first break. Oh, dearie. That's fantastic. I can't believe I just forgot to note that like halfway through. What the hell, Rich? Bye, everybody. I must have been distracted by something. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally must have been distracted by something. Hey, it's me, Jesse the Body Ventura. Malfunctioning robots, Democrat circuits not playing well with traditional American ideals. There's a conspiracy going on. A conspiracy against your wallet. Well, come to Jesse the Body Ventura's Robot Body Shop Emporium off Route 95 between Dimension C64 and the Snarflurk home planet. All hail King Snarflurk. I've recently become the proud owner of 340 soiled robot duplicates that definitely need to go away, and I'm passing the saving on to you. Including Dino Bravo Bot, Predator Bot, Chico Santana Bot, and everybody's favorite robot, Linda McMahon. But that's not all. We also have many of your black market, technically illicit wrestling and celebrity memorabilia included, but not limited to Thargoid Wrestling's Witch Nebula Championship Thorax Strap. 
the tuning exam championship belt from the Naruto dimension, the Progress Wrestling Championship staff, Mae Young's hand, and unseen footage of Ric Flair wrestling as Spartacus from the Jim Hurd dimension. Plus, order today to get tickets to the observation deck of Satellite 316 for WrestleMania 300. First class seats to see the Eterna clone of Best in the Multiverse Shane McMahon take on Son of 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 John Cena. Hulk Hogan's Brain in a Jar fight genetic hybrid Martin Luther King Booker in a Loser Gets Raised from History match. And The Undertaker rises from his cryo-casket once more to face his worst enemy yet, the psychic entity known as Shigarth. I'm going to be there. Watch you. I will get to you. I will find you. Plus, WWE Champion Locke Bresner faces the winner of this year's historic over-the-top rope 30 Roman Reigns Royal Rumble. Sign up to the WWE Cyber Network today for just 999DX dollars and get your first 30 days free! We have parking to cater for users of both the Mycelial Network and Interdimensional Portal Gun, so don't be shy, come join us today. Warning, soil may mean contaminated, sunny pot may be covered in stream, interdimensional travel may not be covered by your license HMO, snarflers are dangerous and should not be approached, Linda McMahon may not be a robot, Satellite 316 exists in the jurisdiction of WWE Universe and is therefore surrounded by a parental guidance field, any mention of Dean Ambrose will lead to extermination. Special thanks of course to Jesse the Body Ventura's Bunny Shop. You sponsored that. S- special thanks to us, but it seemed like nothing to me. S- special sponsors. Special, special, special thanks. Special, 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 So, G O D. Yeah, they came to the ring um, with their Marvel inspired masks, one of them being Iron Man, one of them being Red School. Yeah, I really like the the masks. Um, they kind of look a bit scary when they wear them. Um, they kind of look like the type of people who would be avoided in most circumstances. Like in a dark alley. Like what? In a dark alley? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. if I saw them coming towards me with those masks on in a dark alley, I would be, I, I, I don't know. I would shit myself so hard you'd think I've been sucked through a time vortex. It would, it would be that bad. So they matched us with Tamatonga and Sonoda having a crowd cheer off. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but then straight into the action, back and forth, running on the rope reversal that leads to a paradise lock attempt from Sonada. But Tamatanga breaks out and. Tags happen. Simultaneous tags. I mean, yes, this, they is, do. <laughs> this is one of those WWE things that I'm not a massive fan of, which is simultaneous tagging. Um, you have a tag match so that you can get. So that you can get kind of one. 
one um, one team having the upper hand, and it kind of feels a bit weird when both do it. However, early in the match is the right time to do it, rather than halfway through the fucking match, like WWE like to do it. Just just have a well, hot they time. did it right at the start, so that's not too bad. Yeah, no, I'm quite happy with that. So, but yeah, no, it's 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 just one of those things, really. Um, I really liked it though. It was an incredible start. Really, really fluid. Tama. He's becoming one of the most charismatic singles wrestlers in the world, I feel like. I I don't know, there's something about him that when I see him in a ring, I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is the guy I want to root for. Well, you know, he is the good guy, bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Something tells me that Vince McMahon needs to have a gander at him and then look at Roman Reigns and it will become very clear why Roman Reigns is not over. Well, he doesn't watch the products, so that's never going to happen. No, of course. He's just slowly going mad in his ivory tower, and one day he will fall. I thought he was going to say something else. I'm glad you said fall. Right, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we do not want a libel or slander lawsuit here at JFAPE. We want... Not again. No, no, Not again. Not after, not after the bullet club. Which reminds me, um, yeah, just really friendly guys, Tamatonga. Um, yeah, love yeah, these guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Never, awesome. never had an issue. Um, yeah, really cool. Um, yeah, what did you think of um, Tonga Loa's heel to heel work during this match? Oh, it's great. He has some really nice um, heel work. Uh, Telling you, would need to bring it because he is the champion. Uh, so he does. He does bring it. He, he knocks Tamar off the ropes and shoulder tackles uh, Lau to the ground and takes control of the match. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there was Jado had a bit of involvement in this match quite a bit as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was kind of the difference maker on the outside and he, with his kendo stick. Um, of course. We're drunk at the moment, so we're aware that Jado and Guido are two separate people. And when we're sober, we think we're the same, <laughs> same person, don't we? Sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Don't you worry. <laughs> Jado and Guido do look exactly the same, though. Um, Jado and Guido are... Um, but they don't, do they? Well, yeah, because they're both bold and are wearing that funny little mask thing, the, the bandana across the face. So, as far uh, as I'm concerned... Jado is the only one that does that. I thought um, Guido did that. No, no. Oh, he maybe that's why we get confused. <laughs> that is why we get confused because Jado with Jado with that over his face looks like Guido looks with like, that over his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Jado, yeah, no. so do you take it to Evil and Sonoda on the outside after they get bashed in in the heads with a kendo stick? Uh, back in the ring, uh, lower throws Evil to the turnbuckle, hits a hard clothesline and follows up with a bicycle knee to the face, tags in Tama, and hits a nice-looking helo uh, from the ape into the, into the ring. I'm unsure as to what a helo is. Could you enlighten me? So a helo is basically slingshotting yourself into a, I would say, swanton, but it's just um, a flip over the ropes and the back lands onto the sternum of the other opponent. Like um, Eddie Guerrero was pretty much a master at a helo. Okay. I will um, 
investigate that further, I suppose. Um, I've just never heard <laughs> the phrase used. <laughs> um, do we get a hot tag situation going off? Has there been a nice build-up to the hot tag? Because obviously every tag match needs a hot tag. It is 2019, of course. Well, you've guessed the hot tag. You are correct. Uh, but Tama cuts him off as the, as the illegal man and uh, pressures him into the corner, whips him to the other side. Uh, Tama now whips lower to the same corner, so Nona looks lower, or lower, sorry, takes Tama out with a low drop kick to the knee, takes him down, lower neutralizes lower, lower with a paradise lock. So paradise. What's your thoughts on the paradise lock? Um, like, I mean, many of our many of our new listeners will have most likely seen this if they've not seen New Japan Pro Wrestling before as a t- product, um, and certainly not seen Sonada. Then they'll most likely remember the Paradise Lock as the move um, that um, gentleman Jack Gallagher is famed for within CWC and 205, um, which is a lock on the floor which holds itself. What's your thoughts on it? It's believability. It's yeah. You could break out of that if you want to. <laughs> no. Surely not. Are you crazy? <laughs> no. Are you, are you questioning the integrity of the they paradise They cross the legs lock? over. They roll them over and then pretend that the arms can't be freed. But this worked, worked really well in this situation. To be fair, they okay. used it really well. Um, I mean, back to Tama. Uh, Sonata shoots him off the ropes. Uh, double leapfrog, drop kick. Tama to the outside quickly, to the side with a, a to the ring slingshot high cross body to Tama, whilst Lower is still trapped in the paradise lock, which obviously has neutralised him, so he can't move out of that. So he can then go to the other side and do the same thing to uh, Jado, and drop kicks Lower to release the paradise lock so really nice sequence there um really interesting way of working the paradise lock um usually the the traditional way of working the paradise lock is to just lock them and then kick them in the arse yeah it's not really a comedy spot but this was used in Mm. a really good way to neutralize one of the tag team um so they couldn't move so they could then work on the other competitor and also the guy on the outside with the kendo stick of course, I mean, um, going back more seriously, Evil and Sonata have fought in numerous um, four and above star matches as a tag team. Um, although they've not had the same level of success on the single circuit, they are one of the better tag teams when working together within the entire promotion, as far as I'm concerned, especially with the absence of the Young Bucks and, um, of course, Kenny Omega to make one half of the Golden Lovers with Kota Ibushi. So, I certainly do kind of rate them here um as far as you're concerned um you you would you say you're mildly impressed with um these guys because i know that you went into the match fairly fairly skeptical yeah no um yeah evil sonado have turned up their game dramatically um, I mean, well, they've always had a high game, but it's very easy to kind of glaze over their matches because very often they've been spent um, wrestling people, or at least I feel, um, it's been spent wrestling people who maybe have a bit of a higher profile than them and very often put on a better show than them. Would you say that that's fair? Because that's, that's my thoughts on it. I guess so, but this time they really showed their 
the, the capability of, of actually being a tight team. I mean, they've held the tight team championships numerous times. I can't remember how many times that is, but this is the first time I've actually been like, they're a believable tag team. It seems like they've, they've been trained together a lot more. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there comes that level of experience that kind of, kind of gets taken over time, um, and I would say that now, I mean, they're two years in. Um, their first, their first kind of tag match was in 2017. Um, they have held the New Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team titles twice. Do remember that at this stage. So they they do work well together as a tag team. But I do think that this. I is, didn't like their first one or their second one. This is my favorite match of theirs. Well, fair play. Fair play. I think they are meshing better as a tag team than they ever did before. Before they were two great singles wrestlers in a tag team situation, which is ironic because in a non-tag team situation they're not great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say um, they were two great single wrestlers. I mean, I love Lij as a faction, but I wouldn't have rated them as higher as say Takahashi. Um, oh no, of course. NATO, or maybe even of course. Ibushi. Like I don't know. Um, they just seemed. Lower tier, just 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 bushy. It's just bushy. All yeah, right, just bushy. Well, thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. They just seem lower tier. If I don't correct now. you. You don't learn. Well, that's correct. Yeah, thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're, they're definitely getting their shit together. Um, I really enjoyed this match, and I, and I do hope they go forward and take the tag titles from G.O.D. Um, yeah, G.O.D. did retain, didn't they? Um, a they a did. Bit, of, bit of a greasy finish um, due to Jado pulling the ref out of the ring just before Tama tapped. Um, yeah, what what was your take on all that? Yeah, um, so yeah, G.O.D. did pull the ref out of the ring uh, just before Tama tapped because before that there was a... Um, Simultaneous uh, submission, um, evil with a sharpshooter and uh, Sonata with a dragon sleeper, um, and yeah. obviously Tama being the, the being the legal man. Um, just before he tapped, Jado did pull the ref out, and and now in the ring, he goes into the ring to attack um, Sonata and Evil with the kendo stick. Um, Bushi comes out to make the save, spits black mist into the eyes of Jado. Hits him with a suicide dive on the outside. That was one hell of a suicide dive. I mean, it definitely I wasn't the best suicide dive Bushi. of the night, but it was a good suicide dive. Oh no, there were better in that night, but I mean, that's saying a lot, isn't it? You, you know, overall. But I mean, it was a good. I was writing notes at the time, and yeah, I looked over and saw just that suicide dive, and he's going to be great. Give him a few years, Bushi. That's my thoughts on Bushi. Whole and also wait great. Also wait for Dragon Lee to leave because he's the better guy with the white mask. Dragon Lee? Did you say Dragon Lee? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Who did you think I said? I don't know. He's not a part of LIJ. Let's go let's move forward. Yeah, I know. No, no, I was saying I was saying in the overall promotion, wait for Dragon Lee to leave. Because he's the better guy in the white mask and Bushi will probably come into his own. It's just that it's hot. I think bookers conflate the two sometimes, and they're like, "Oh well, we can only have one guy with a white mask who jumps around like that." So it's definitely got to be Dragon Lee. 
don't know, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I think you might be. I think you might be. Oh, fuck you, Jay. <laughs> Sorry, that wine's really kicking in. Hello, <laughs> 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 uh, like Jay. After that, obviously go for the magic killer um, on Tama. Who kicks the, the story behind the magic killer? And because God believes that they stole the magic killer from the Bullet Club, but Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows passed it down to them for them to use. Ooh, interesting. But yeah, um, Nala. Oh yeah, he kicks Nala back, and he floats over Evil and rolls him up while pulling the tights, and they retain their titles. Bit of a um, heel yeah. win there. Yeah. He's a good guy, bad guy. He'll win. Yeah, no, it was um, an interesting, interesting piece there. Um, quite like God. I mean, yeah, I think they picked the right guy to be the um, undercard leader of Bullet Club, um, and I honestly feel that putting Jay White in that position was maybe not necessary, um, as yeah. Just, he's really good. I just really, really go for Tama Tango. I'm fucking impressed with uh, Tango Lao. Mm. Tango Lao. I like both NXT of them. I mean, they're just was fucking dire. Um, TNA mm. didn't think too much of him. Goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm. gets in a tag team, and this guy's shining now. Yeah, absolutely no, shining. Um, they they could still be God and they could still go for single titles at the same time. They could pick up a few single titles and a tag team title if they wanted to, and they could probably run New Japan Pro Wrestling by themselves if they wanted to. Um, they could break away from Buddy Club at this point. Yeah, no, I feel that they could. I feel that they could very well become the elite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see yeah. where you're going with that. Um, yeah, they could. I, I think it would be an interesting storyline, seeing them become what they once said they were against, but then accepting that level of prestige by becoming an elite faction within Bullet Club. It will be the perfect way to um, kind of have it all come full circle. Um, after that, this match, um, after this match, of course, we are presented with Kenta Kobayashi. Um, also known to our WWE fans as Hideo Itami. Um, he has finally returned to the WWE. Um, sorry, to uh, um, New Japan this Pro Wrestling. This is the first he time he's returned. Fine. Is this first time in, in um, New Japan Pro Wrestling he was in nowhere beforehand? Oh, well, thank you for correcting me, Your Majesty. <laughs> That's okay, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dearie. Yeah, no, it was his return to Japan, sorry, not to Japan Pro Wrestling. Um but yeah, no, in general, um he is there. He was introduced alongside are you ready for this? Do you reckon I can do it? Katsuyori Shibata um introduced Yay. him. Um Katsuyori Shibata. Yay. Is, of course. Nice. I like that. I like I like that you do that every time I say that. I'm going to say it again. Katsuyori Shibata. Yay! 
Nice. Um, yeah, no, he introduced him, um, obviously. Um, he's the guy who, if you're not quite sure which one he is, he's the one who looks like he has been hit in the face with the ugly rolling pin um, who introduced <laughs> Hideo Itami. It's okay. It's okay. I can slander them. They don't know. They don't speak Kenta. English. Kenta. Um, I always call him Kenta. I had a problem calling him his other name. Not because I couldn't say it. Hideo Itami. Hideo Itami, yeah. But Kenta. Always call him Kenta. Mm. Uh, Kenta was awesome. Came to the WWE. Yeah, I mean. Had a spout of injuries. Slowed him down. He came in strong. And then he got put in 205. And then he had that ter- terrible fatal four-way at Royal Rumble, which was basically him saying, I'm done. Yeah, no, it was absolutely fucking awful, wasn't it? Um, really one of the worst fatal four-ways. You can, of course, hear that in our archive. Um, it is available um, as our first ever episode. In fact, um, did, were you aware of that, our first episode? Um, that we published was the Royal Rumble. Was it? Back. It was indeed. It was indeed. Um, So you can hear all about our opinions on that match. Um, Yeah. We thought it was shit, though. It just saves you the job. (laughs) It's fucking awful. It was fucking shit. We completely bashed Kenta to pieces in that match. He worked dangerously. He really did. He could have hurt someone in that match. But I'm excited for Kenta very excited for Kenta in the G1 that's going to be fucking awesome of course um, the G1 Climax for those of you not familiar um, is also John Moxley has announced that he will be in it and there is an intention from Chris Jericho really to potentially it. he asked if well. he could be in the G1 he didn't say I'm going to be in the G1 when you go to a new promotion um, get called Death Rider um, as part of your um, as part of your gimmick and Monica have a month long build and the very first time you step in a ring they slap their um, mid upper card it's clearly going to be in you, it but I'm just um, pointing out that he match. but he is going to be in it it's it's quite mm. clear oh yeah but yeah. Um, Kenta yeah, but yeah, Kenta had an interesting good. t-shirt um, it was gold and black and it reads takeover yeah I did notice that that's quite quite interesting wasn't it I would say so that is a direct message to the WWE yeah Um, do you think the WWE are scared of Kenta they should be okay 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 let's be a bit more honest do you think WWE are aware of Kenta no (laughs) cool Um, moving on (laughs) it's like we had Kenta in our promotion but we don't know who he is that's pretty much their MO, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that he's got very much that kind of Zack Ryder thing where no one's quite sure why he's there. Like, I imagine that are you, a, are an you average the day for Kenta... What's your name? What? what, what? <laughs> yeah, I imagine an average day for Kenta in WWE consisted of um, getting out of getting out of a taxi because they wouldn't bother booking him a limo um, and immediately um, walking towards 
catering or somewhere like that and being handed someone's car keys or coffee and told to pot their car or place their coffee in their office. Um, maybe being given Stephanie McMahon's bags as he wanders past. And like, oh, hi there. You're here his, to pick up my his bags. His girlfriend or his wife, I'm not sure. Hands. Chelsea Green is, is a far better wrestler. Chelsea yeah. Green? Who's Chelsea Um, She was in Tuno. She had this gimmick of this crazy bride that turned into something really awesome. But the name of her character escapes me. Um, I'm sure you're finding it right now. Uh, Yeah, Laura Van Ness. Yeah, Laura Van Ness. Yeah, Yeah, it started out really, really weird um, as a crazy bride. Um... But then that character morphed into something really fucking awesome before she left Impact. Um, yeah, yeah, she's got a, got a lot of um, capabilities. Yeah, she looks like she. she um, she looks like she kind of very slowly turned a bit Courtney Love. Yeah, she had a crap character that she turned As into a great character. Basically, she could... the maniacal gimmick. As, yeah. As... In a trashed wedding dress, the the exactly woman, exactly all of that kind of thing. But she turned that into yeah. something awesome. Yeah. Um. And then she left, and then she got oh, signed okay. to NXT, okay. and then in a house show, I think I believe she broke her ankle, um, or something like that. Ooh. Um. Yeah. She's she's out at the moment, but she should be coming back fairly soon. I think she's been out for enough mm. time for that to heal. But yeah, she should be in NXT very very soon, and we can all watch. Um. The greatness that is Chelsea Green. Yeah, of course. Um, my understanding is that, of course, she um, made her TV debut um, on March 13th, 2019 NXT TV take, um, tapings under her real name. She defeated Jesse Elaban, but broke her wrist during that match. Despite the injury, she completed the match and underwent surgery the following day on March 14th. So um, get well soon that random woman that we just started talking about who isn't associated with the promotion that our show's about. Well, you know, stuff happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes good sense. While we're talking about um, random women, by the way, and NXT signings, um, Session Moth. You aware of this? What, what's she done now? She's been signed with NXT. Really? Yeah. Session Moth, the one woman stag party. <laughs> the four year veteran. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. The four year Irish veteran. Um yeah, yeah, no, she's apparently Yeah. Um Well, there we go. Apparently the initial press release that WWE released said that she was Scottish. And well, they went back and corrected it within a few minutes. Well there we go then. Clicking start. Nice. Um, <coughs> so, Jay, you're on the Hogan. Uh, I am in a couple of more sips. Nice, nice. I am just finishing off my bottle of wine. So, obviously, Excellent. we're hoping that our legions of fans are drinking along with us. Um, it's Drink Along with Rich and Jay on NJPW there are lots of words if you're listening to this in the morning we are hoping you are not drinking along with us unless you work nights or are an alcoholic in which case join us 
in that sweet, sweet drinking and worship of the nectar. Love that nectar. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match between Will Ospreay and Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee, Jay. You tell us what you think about these two competitors. Well, for Dragon Lee, um, he is the brother of Rush, uh, who wrestles in obviously CMLL, MLW, and also ROH. Um, not been wrestling that long, I don't think. To be honest with you, oh. two thousand and three, it would seem. Oh well, that is quite. Two thousand and thirteen, sorry, two thousand thirteen. Oh yeah, that's, that's much less time. I'm so glad that we read so much when we're when we're drinking. Um, I think it's so good. I think it shows. I think it shows our. I think it shows the amount of time we put into it um yeah so obviously he fought with cmll um and has been fighting with cml since 2013 um obviously he's also well i say obviously he's he's fought in ring of honor between 2016 and 17 and returned in 2019 he's got his 2017 to present run in new japan pro wrestling spending a lot of time on that undercard just just a bit below where where he was visible to the general populace, I think. Um, yeah, no, he has. Yeah, spent he's, a lot of time, kind of best of Super Juniors twenty four tournament, for instance, um, and obviously um, various other tournaments as well. Um, but other than that, not and really. The having... tournament as well has been in the best of the Super Tag Team. Yeah, I mean, I always get the feeling with Dragon Super League Junior Tag Team tournament two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, two thousand seventeen. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I always get the feeling Team. that yes, yes, nice. Uh, I always get the feeling with him that it's very much the um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Up until this most recent run, when he's really been, when he's really taken into his own element, um, at least as far as the Japanese eyes are concerned. That's my thoughts, at least. Um, I mean, like championship-wise or even tournament-wise, he's he was the winner of the All Pro King of the Indies tournament in 2018, which was last year. Um, he is currently the World Light Heavyweight Champion for CMLL and also the Welterweight Champion at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, he, and even CMLL has a bodybuilding contest. In 2013, he was in the beginners category and the intermediate category, category in 2014 and 15 as well. Of course, um, um, I, I mean, have no idea was... they did that in <laughs> CMLL. Yeah, um, it seems a bit of an unusual place to do it, considering the amount of um, considering the amount of smaller superstars that yeah that exist inside Lucha circles. Of course, it's interesting in that um, many people kind of saw the potential in him, particularly the Wrestling Observer, who awarded him Rookie of the Year two thousand and fourteen. Um, his Luchas D. <clears throat> His Luchas de Apuestas record, um, which is, of course, the wager match, um, he has won two of them, um, which is fairly good this early in a rookie's career. Um, he, of course, faced um, Kamai Tachi um, in Mexico City at an event whose name I won't pr- try and pronounce at this level of inebriation. Um, yeah, no, he won that one. And then later, La Mascara, um, he also beat him um, in 2016, so some early, 
early kind of wager matches um, for his career. A lot of people have seen that potential in him. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, even last year for the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, he was um, 125 out of 500 uh, singles wrestlers. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a v- very good spot, very really. That's age 24, and he's the 125th greatest wrestler in the world on an international stage no less that is fucking impressive um yeah not much more you can say in regards to that um of course his opponent needs much less of an introduction we're talking Will Ospreay he is the stable um mate of Paul Robinson, yeah, yeah, but he's stable mates with Paul Robinson um, in Progress Wrestling, um, and of course has fought for numerous promotions all over the world. He's the wrestler I have seen physically wrestle the most, um, having seen him um, no less than four times live now. Um, I am very impressed with Will Ospreay, absolutely great interaction with the fans, um, really, really he is the ricochet of the indies at this stage, which I thought I'd never say. Um, mostly because ricochet was the ricochet of the indies at one point, <laughs> which I think is fair to say. He's a numerous time champion. I could sit here all day and list his many, many, many awards. Um, so I think I probably will. He has won the Future Pro Wrestling Tag Team title one time with Paul Robinson, Lucha Britannia World Championship twice, Melbourne City Wrestling MCW Wing to Commonwealth Championship once, New Japan Pro Wrestling, he's been IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion twice going into this match, Never Openweight Champion once, Best of the Super Juniors winner 2016 and of course 2019 bringing him into this match Preston City Wrestling awarded him the one to watch in 2015 at the end of year awards, that was back in 2014 of course Um, Progress Wrestling, he has held the Progress Championship, the Progress Tag Team Championship, Super Strong Style 16 winner of 2015 and of course was the Thunder Bastard League winner in 2014 Um, he has held the Professional Wrestling Alliance Championship once Pro Wrestling Illustrated ranked him number 12 of the top 500 single wrestlers in the PWI 500 in 2018. Reloaded Championship Wrestling Alliance gave him a championship, well, RCWA Elite Championship once. Revolution Pro Wrestling British Cruiserweight Champion twice. Undisputed British Tag Team Champion once. Ring of Honor ROH. Sword of Essex again. Yep, Sword of Essex indeed, um, with the British Tag Team Championship with Paul Robinson. Um, Ring of Honor ROH World Television Championship once. Best move of the year for his Oz Cutter, that was in 2017 under Ring of Honor. SoCal Uncensored gave him Match of the Year 2016 with Matt Seidel, Ricochet versus Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Um, that was on September the 3rd of 2016. Southside Wrestling Entertainment gave him SWE a Speed King Championship twice. What Culture Pro Wrestling and Defiant Wrestling gave him WCPW Tag Team Championship with Scotty Wainwright and the Defiant Wrestling Award for the Match of the Year. That was his match against Drew Galloway that took place on March 6th of 2017. Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave him Best Flying Wrestler 2016 to 2018, Non-Heavyweight MVP 2018 and And, of course, his other notable title is the British Triangle Championship with Paul Robinson and Scott Rainwhite. 
<sighs> I mean, this guy... He's 26 years old. Yes, he is. 26 years old. Some people call him overrated, and I do not agree. This guy deserves everything that he gets. I mean, yeah, you, you put on the match with Ricochet. The, the match with Ricochet, for instance, the, the series he had with Ricochet at previous Best of Super Juniors, if you are new to New Japan Pro Wrestling Gold, we will be putting the link to that match in the comments of this. Um, whether you're on the bus, whether you're at lunch at work, no matter where you are, that's the one link that I will be putting in the comment section, well, in the in the blurb section of this podcast. Make sure you go out of your way to watch it because this guy, 26 years old, he makes my life look like a joke. A joke, Jay. <coughs> Best match of the night, in my opinion. By far. By far. Yeah, I mean, all of the other matches were really, really good, but, I mean, these guys, fucking hell, they know how to go, don't they? I mean, 20 minutes, 7 seconds, we will will spend longer talking than this match actually went on, but, my fucking God, really Match starts with arm wrench, head flip out. Love a good arm Uh, wrench, head flip out. On... An early Oscar attempt blocked by Lee tries the Northern Light suplex. Osprey flips out and lands on his feet. Osprey goes for a head kick. Lee ducks. Dual drop kicks with both. Do a front flip. Pose. Finish. Opening segment. But Lee does run forward and smashes Osprey right in the face. Does anybody else do this as well as Osprey? I mean, the flip out. Followed by the casual walk away, the little bit that he where he turns around, just to kind of out of the corner of his eye, just kind of glance at his opponent, as if to say, "You know what I did. You know what I can do." And we're fucking Osprey. Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And the way that he lingers with his back to his opponent as well continuing that psychological game on top of the high flying on top of the mat game there is still that psychological play in there where he just casually walks away just kind of looks back says I can flip right out of your moves and I don't even need to bother turning around I've got my back to you what are you going to do that's why he's one of the best in the world Yes, he is. Yes, definitely one of the best in the world. Uh, but we do have a rundown, and there is a spot in here that does correlate with what you just said. Um, mm. So, yeah, we'll start with um, Osprey hits a boot to the face, and the corner rolls back. Ford hits a top rope. Tiger Feet 619, which takes Lee to the outside, and Osprey follows up with a high crossbody plunge to the outside was really high <clears throat> fucking high hmm. was I don't, know if, I don't know if it's it, Dobby Lee high Dobby Lee Dobby Allen high but definitely high it was I mean it was pretty high I mean if it got any higher Cypress Hill would write an album about it 
I guess so. I guess it was that high for Cypress Hill to write an album about how high it was. Yeah. But did you like um, Osprey doing a Zack Sabre Jr. submission? I thought that was uh, quite, Yeah, yeah. I thought nice that was kind of nice. A nice yeah. nod to the, to, the, to the British scene and also Zack Sabre Jr. at the same time. Mm. I mean, if you've been against Zack Sabre Jr. and live to tell the tale, you definitely want to be breaking out any moves that you have ever managed guess, to absorb. Yeah, so like the King's Road style, isn't it? So he's just taking moves from people who he has kicked out or not submitted from um, and absorbing that move, like you said, and using that mm. against an opponent within a match. Yeah, I mean, it is very much that kind of way. He's kind of gathering, he gathers things from his opponent and uh, applies it um, within within the match, um, also to have a psychological impact on people who may have faced the same opponents in the past. Um, certainly the case um, in this situation and circumstance. And it just adds that extra layer of um, character interplay to this match. Really, really nice psychological game here. Carry on, Jay. Carry on. Yeah, no, I mean, the commentators made a, made a very good point. Kevin Kelly said that um, Osprey has only been using weights for the last eight, mon- eight months, I think it was. Um, before that, uh, he yeah, hadn't used any weights at all, and he's really started putting on some mass uh, from that. Um, I think um, Kevin uh, Kelly's point with that was definitely kind of, um, you know, if if what we've seen so far from this 26-year-old is simply him without weights, him without with only using agility training, then imagine him when he is at full heavyweight stature. Exactly. This this guy is going to go all the way. This guy will go into the heavyweight. Pardon I me, mean, in the division and. This, this this guy will be um, IWGP. Um, a guy like Will Osprey. What do you think? What do you think the highest possible accolade that they could get is? What that he would get, or that he will get? Where would you put him? Well, he's he's already gone saying that he loves Japan. So hmm. the more mass he puts on the closer he gets to becoming the World Heavyweight Champion, doesn't he? Yeah, no, of course. Of course. Um, just looking at the time here, let's 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 move forward. Yeah, so Osprey Springboard attempt caught by Lean to an STO. Devastating move. Um, on the outside, yeah. um, Lee pushes Osprey onto the railing, uh, Ooh, slides back into the ring and hits a very fast-paced suicide dive going straight through Osprey like a lawn, lawn dart and there Os- was some serious hand time on that some implant time wasn't there I don't know about hang time it was just so fast and yeah. devastating and it also took out the Japanese announce team all at the same time it was fucking brutal I know he's fucking brutal of the- he's fucking brutal a lot but this was fucking brutal yeah, um, it was much to the amusement of the um, Osaka, Osaka smarky crowd, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, this crowd was very alive. This this crowd was chanting. They were very yeah. into most of these matches. But normally, in a Japanese wrestling arena, they're very quiet and respectful, and only pop every um, now and again. From my understanding, with um, the Osaka crowd, is that they are very. Um, 
I suppose the, the the closest you'd get would be a Chicago or Philadelphia crowd in WWE. Um, I mean, it's a very strong wrestling city with a lot of major historical wrestling moments happening. Um, and as a result, you get some very unusual and very um, animated reactions from them, um, is my understanding. Um, there is a strong... It. Yeah, no, of course. Um, there is a strong back and forth... Um, which leaves Osprey in a precarious position. It looks like um, Lee would be going for a double stomp, but Osprey uses his core strength to kick Lee in the face, um, causing Lee to spill to the floor. Osprey hits a corkscrew moonsault to the outside on Lee. Um, oh, what a corkscrew that was. What a corkscrew it was indeed. I was popping at this point. Um, yeah, no. It's one of those. Um, it's one of those where you have to watch it twice, once to enjoy it and once to note it, isn't it? Oh yes, yes it is. Yeah, this definitely. Unfortunately, happened. unfortunately, I only watched it once, so I'm going off your notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, mate. I don't mind. <laughs> ah, cool. Um, then it was followed by a flip-out stunner by Osprey. It was. Um, you could say the Slumdog Millionaire thing that. Um, Mark Andrews does, but I'm pretty sure he probably stole it from Osprey. Yeah, I would, I would probably, probably say that. Of course, after that is the standard fighting sprite standoff. I don't know why I read your notes. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. <laughs> you no, knew what welcome. I meant. <laughs> Lee ran off the ropes but was caught with a hook kick. Um, Will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dearie. Um, Will ran. Lee misses, sprung back off the ropes. Snap release German attempt by Lee Osprey. Lands on his feet. Drop kick attempt. Flips off of Lee. This is really confusing to read. Maybe you should just watch the match, guys. Um, Lee (laughs) with a jumping knee strike to the face. Follows in a reverse Rana. Osprey. To right. his knees. It does say Osprey. Os- uh, it does, it does, it yeah. does, it does. Um, I, I apologise, I apologise. Fucking Should. dick. Should. <laughs> <laughs> to his knees and Lee comes off the rope. Osprey pops up with a... Spanish fly. Or if you like, a British fly. A havering fly. Havering? Yeah, it's from Havering in London. Ah, there we go. The London Borough of Havering. Dragon Lee jumps over the top rope to hit a Rana on Will on the outside, but Will lands on his feet. They both turn and look at each other. Will gestures Lee to bring it, just like The Rock. Uh, Yeah, it was very rock-like. It was. Uh, Lee runs at Will and is met with a pop-up powerbomb onto the apron. Rolls Lee into, Lee into the ring, hits a pretty-looking shooting star press for the two-count. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the speed with which these two go, the passion with which they go, wow. Um, Oscar attempt is met by a knee. There is a double foot stomp on the outside. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and Will just manages to answer the 20-count. He's met with a knee to the head straight after that <sighs> fuck me what a knee to the head you could say knee you could say V trigger it's completely up to you what you want to say really 
unless you're Morale Ronaldo, and then you should definitely not call it a re-trigger. <laughs> um, a V-trigger, sorry. Um, Do you think he has sure. the job? I guess so. Um, yeah, probably, probably. Mamma I mean, mia! Do so. The match ends with a powerbomb attempt by Osprey, reversed into a destroyer. <laughs> did you see that? Did you did you see that? Um, yes. <laughs> Bailey hits a massive knee strike V-trigger to the head. Just as good as Omega's uh, for a two count. Went for a second one, but was caught by Osprey. Lee breaks free, hits right. the knee strike. Dest do Litora by... Oh, check out Mr. International there. But Will flips out, hits the super kick, ripcord, hook kick, uh, hidden blade to the back of the head, os cutter, holds on, rolls over, uh, gets a lifeless Lee to his feet and hits a storm breaker for the three count. Match of the night. Will Ospreay. At this stage, I believe he is now, um, and please correct me if I am wrong, he is now the five-time, no, three-time, god damn it, three-time, I know it was an odd number, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He is the three-time, yes, three-time, and what? And current, <laughs> I... WGP Junior Heavyweight Champion you are correct mm, can you think of anyone else who deserves this accolade as much as him uh, no but yeah agreed but he needs to move into the heavyweight division um, I think he is deserving of it he's needed mm. and we'll put on a fucking great show in the main event yeah, um, I mean, I I will put Will Ospreay in this category of wrestlers who should never go to WWE. <clears throat> I'm saying that. He's uh, already said that he's never going to go to WWE. Ever. Yeah, I think he's right to say that. I think um, the problem with the or WWE AEW, has recently... He's never going to AEW either. Um mm. Okay. Because I think um, time would tell on that one. But. Yeah, I guess so. But he says he doesn't want to move to America. He doesn't like America, um, and he prefers wrestling in Japan and England and Europe as a whole. I can understand that preference. To be fair, um, it's there's a very different aesthetic to American and English wrestling than there is to. Because um, I just spoke to, to him backstage. Sorry to. I just spoke to him backstage, and that's what he told me. Oh, nice, nice. You've been you've been listening to me in my um, in my coaching sessions where I'm telling you to um, be a bit more like um, Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix. Yeah, no, no, no. Well done, well done. Thanks. Um, you, just, no, you just destroyed yeah. it, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. I'll edit that out. All right, cool. So next we have the, I won't edit it out. So next we have IWGP IC title. This is Kodo Bushi versus Iman. 
Tetsu Naito. Yeah, 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 Tetsu Naito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, tell us about Tetsu Naito. He is good, and he's been around for a while. Cool. And I like him. He is Iron Man. Um, Tetsu Naito is, of course, the leader <laughs> of Los Incog Renados. Jiju Pan. I'm just going to try and find something on him now. <laughs> prepared. Yeah. yeah, nice and prepared. No, no, Tetsu Naito is, of course, leader of Lost in Cogrenobles to Japan. Um, IWGP heavyweight champion once, IWGP intercontinental champion four times, IWGP, sorry, three times going into this match, damn it, I just ruined the result, IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champion, <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when we drink wine, Jay, this is what happens. <laughs> this, is what, this is what happens when I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, well, neither of us Enough know time. It. Yeah, no. Um, one-time junior heavyweight tag team champion, um, IWGP tag team champion, once as well um, with Yujiro Takahashi never open weight championship once G1 Climax winner of 2013 and 2017 New Japan Cup winner of 2016 New Japan Pro Wrestling best bout of 2016 versus Kenny Omega um, and New Japan Pro Wrestling MVP 2016 also fought for Nick and Sports where he um, got MVP sorry also was awarded MVP award by Nikan Sports and Match of the Year award 2016. Most charismatic wrestler in 2017-18 best gimmick. 2017 lost in Then he said it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was Wrestling Observer, of course. Tokyo Sports gave an MVP. Um, Technique Award as well in 2018 and Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I was wrong earlier when I said this about um, Will Ospreay. In fact, Pro Wrestling Illustrated have ranked him as number nine of the he top five. He is a good wrestler, isn't he? He is, he is he deserving of he number is nine, a good I would say so. So, Jay, shall we list the people who are above Tetsu Unito in the PWR 500? Uh, yeah, if you've got the information there, let's do that. Cause Cody. He's number eight. What? Cody, number mm, eight. Mm, Better than Tetsu United? Don't know about that. No, I don't agree with that at all. At all. Okay. He's number seven. guy. But you think Cody's a free star guy? Yeah. He had a great match at AEW. Mm. But that was this year. Last year, three star guy. Hang on, hang on. The match with the ma- the the match between Kota Ibushi, him and Kenny Omega was phenomenal. That was one of the was best three way matches I've Didn't ever seen. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. You're a fucking loser. Um, at number seven, Roman Reigns. That's laughable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, number six. You ready for this one? Braun Strowman. Well, he is a 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 
Father Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Time that he, he, he got the money in the bank, ladder, lad, 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 at the end. Um, he deserved it. And yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that that is definitely Benji. It's Jay, are you all right? That, that doesn't sound like you. That sounds like someone putting words in your mouth. So, the IWPG IC title match. Match yeah. starts with a tie-up into a headlock, uh, then a run to the rope reversal exchange, which... I haven't introduced the audience to, um... Boxing, chest, um... NATO. I haven't, I haven't told everyone about Kotobushi. Oh, sorry. Alright, carry on. Yeah, he's the sexiest man alive. Carry on. Yeah, so the match starts with a tie-up into a headlock, then a run the ropes reversal exchange, which Koda ends up with the kickboxing leg strike to the chest of Naito. It was hot. Uh, the crowd in Osaka hate NATO. Uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier they're a bit smarky there. He gets booed only in Osaka. This is because in 2012 he promised the crowd he would return as champion next time and beat Okada, and if he failed, they could boo him all they want. He ended up losing, so next time they had a pay-per-view in Osaka, he got booed, and they've been booing him ever since and probably will keep doing until... He gets the heavyweight championship and brings it to Osaka. Well, apparently he is trying to become a double champion. And that seems to be his aim at the moment. So we'll see where that goes. Um, This match is about revenge, in my opinion, for NATO against the pure heart of Ibushi. That's true. Um, Yeah. What do you feel it's revenge for? Um, obviously, this is a rematch, isn't it, for the IC title? Uh, yeah. took the title from NATO. Yeah, no, of course. Um, and NATO wants to, um, obviously, get that title back and make good. He will, he will, he is the dark heart fighting the pure, supple heart of Ibushi. There was a picture-perfect corkscrew plancha by Ibushi. Absolutely beautiful landed. Mm. Yeah, now nah, that was that was definitely the case. I. Yeah, yeah. Now nah, th- th- carry on, carry on. You're just taking me back. Uh, Naito was very precise in his tax going for Bushi's neck. Uh, <laughs> so Bushi. would I be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bushi has to overcome the onslaught while trying to mount offense. Yeah, he could certainly try to mount me, of course. I'd come all over him. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know, um, we are going to do a lot of Ibushi matches in the future on this podcast, and this is what it's going to be. Naito hits a devastating German suplex on the apron. 
Kosis neck goes 90 degrees. Naito follows up with a top rope German suplex. I could devastate Ibushi myself. Um, yeah, it was really, really bad and heavy, heavy kind of... Um, <sighs> nearly snapped his face off. That slow motion, when you saw his neck going 90 degrees, you thought, fuck, that guy's dead. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. How the hell he finished that match is beyond me. Um, he did, of course, answer somehow with a neck-bending tombstone pile driver strong style face off um yeah yeah Destino kick out at two Destino for the second time reversed into a GTS yep um, great spot yeah uh, what more can you say and at the end there when the match finished um he had uh Naito spike Ibushi with Destino and my god did he get spiked yeah he really did didn't he he was yeah he was he was kind of 70 75 degrees just entirely just throwing himself straight onto his forehead and and with his neck and yeah straight to the back of his head really one hell of a one hell of a thing going off there um, obviously, Ibushi has not overcome the onslaught and lost his IC title. And now we have uh, Nato, uh, Naito as the IC champion once again. What's your closing thoughts on having Naito as the IC champion? It was an interesting match because um, he wasn't a play- afraid to play the heel there in Osaka. Uh, yeah, he course. did that all the way through the match. Um, normally, he plays a face. But with the crowd booing him all the time, he wasn't afraid to quote Kevin Kelly, wear the black hat in this instance. Yeah, I mean, when you're going against somebody um, as somebody as pure and untouched as Kurobushi, um, still flowering, as it were, um, you can really wear the black hat as much as you want. Um, you're never going to, you're never going to look as, um, you're never going to look as perfect or amazing as Ibushi looks. So, yeah, so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> IWGP World Heavyweight Championship is next. Um, this is, of course, the match that everybody's been waiting for. Um, Akada, who is the reigning champion, facing. Chris Jericho, the man who needs Jericho, the man who needs no introduction, um, but probably will make sure he gets one. Um, Kazuchika Okada, for those who are unfamiliar with him, if you are that lackluster um, at your wrestling watching, I will say that yeah, pretty fucking stunning is Kazuchika Okada, is he not? Okada, for how long he's been wrestling, um, for how many championships he's won in that time, it's pretty amazing. This this guy is actually beyond his years. Yeah, very much. I mean, he is 31, um, but at the same time, rookie in 2008 for New Japan, um, very, very slow build. Um, sometimes, I mean, 2011, he wrestled less than 10 matches that year. Um, he wrestled eight matches and this is a guy who went from kind of 
27 matches one year, eight, year, eight matches another, 89 matches kind of at its heaviest year, which was in um, which was in 2008. Um, that was like his that was like his heaviest year up until that point, and then in 2011 sorry 2012 all of a sudden he's going up to 111 matches 2013 111 114 147 149 matches this man but how, how many five star matches has this guy had um five star matches from kazuchka okada <sighs> i don't know jay while i look for that very specific question you asked me on a whim um let's let's why don't you tell everybody about chris jericho okay i will tell everyone about chris jericho chris jericho actually started um training in the dungeon of stuhot's dungeon in canada um a year later um which would have been in in Six five-star matches. There we go. Six, six, five, six five or above. He's also the first person to ever receive a seven-star rating for a match. Um, that was, um, of course, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship title match um, against Kenny Omega um, last year at NJPW Dominion 6.9 in Osaka Joe Hall that was probably the greatest wrestling match of all time. Would you say that's fair on because it's Kurt Carter? Well, I guess Kenny Omega. Yeah. Particularly the three, the, the two out of three falls match at Dominion last year. Well, yeah, it was a match. I do believe that number two was better, I think. Um... um yeah. yeah, I think that's. I think it. When you get to that level, though, it becomes very subjective, does it not? It probably does. I mean, they had a really good feud. Um, all their matches were fucking amazing, and they were all worth five stars. Did they all get five stars? Because I'm pretty sure they deserved it. Um, yeah, um, it started at five point five and then moved up. Oh yes, that's right. Eighty five, eighty five stars for each. That's right. Yeah got about that but Chris Jericho started his professional career in 1990 1990 in 1991 and mm. that's when he started on the independent scene he moved yep. to Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling in 1991 Mexican promotion from 1992 to 1995 Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 1994 in between his Mexican run um, he was also a part of wrestling and romance apparently and also war um, which I think we touched on previously was called the Lionheart there um, it was a part of ECW from 95 to 96 which was when he was still a part of war uh, he was WCW for 1996 and 1998 and then joined apparently World Television Championship for a year from 1998 to 1999 which is interesting, actually. I did not know that. Um, mm. 1997 to 1998, he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then from there, he went to um, WWF before it changed to WWE. 
Yeah, that's actually quite interesting. I did not know that. I thought he went from WCW straight to WWE, but obviously he made a pit no, stop. No, 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 he did. He did have that transitional spot. Yeah, he made a pit stop in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I wasn't aware of. Yeah, it kind of seasoned him um, quite a bit. Like, um, yeah, he, he fought a couple of matches. You can, of course, see it on um, New Japan Pro Wrestling Gold. Just search for Chris Jericho. Um, you can indeed find some of his earlier work. At one point, he even wore a mask. He, he didn't quite take to the style on his first run, if I'm utterly honest. Um, but the style then was very different from what is now the New Japan Pro Wrestling style. Um, <coughs> because back he just then, makes it WWE style. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, back then it was it was kind of a cross between Kings Road WWE. Um, there was still a strong style element to it, but strong style back then was defined as very much more slam based, um, very strong slams, um, very kind of yeah. It was it was just a different way of working. Um, probably the easiest way to look at it would be um, Wrestle Kingdom two Tanahashi versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, the difference between those two styles then and their two styles now is probably a great example um, of that difference. Um, but yeah, no, he's um, certainly one of those. He he did fight with quite a few people, didn't he? He did, and he definitely beat the Rock and Stone Cold in the same night, become the first undisputed WWF champion. Did he really? He's, he's never mentioned that before. Did you not know that? Ah, oh, you get the exclusive news here on JFPN. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I am just shitting you all. Um, let's move forward. Um, Jay, how did this match oh, play out for you? Oh, and obviously, clearly, clearly, he went to New Japan Pro Wrestling and now he's in AEW. And that's where he is wrestling now. There's both promotions. Yeah. Um, really... Really phenomenal career, this man. Um, he. So um, I hear that you don't like this match. Yeah, no, he had a really WWE feel to it. Yeah. Uh, fair play. Um, the match started with a tie-up. Okada pushed Jericho to the ropes. Waited four seconds for the break. Tips Jericho on the soldier. Taps. Jericho on the shoulder, sorry, um, mock him. Jericho pokes him in the eye, follows up with a series of chops to the other side of the ring, throws a carder, other side, a carder off the ropes, and pushes him down. Displays some good heel vocal work, um, as usual, malarkey, I suppose. Um, a carder comes into this match with less experience, but is wise beyond his years. He's really got a lot of experience. Um, Jericho hits a nasty-looking DDT on the announce table. Some of the nastier work from Chris Jericho um, at this point. Sets up a table on the outside for a powerbomb attempt. Um, does his take the camera off the cameraman stick? Points at Okada, flips him off. Um, really, really good heel work from Chris Jericho throughout. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, really mm. good heel work. Really enjoyed it. Actually, the heel work was fine. It was just the match content that I didn't agree with. Okay, I understand that. Um, he hits the ref for not counting um, when he does his pose pin, um, and then I've got a note here that says clown face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's got a clown face. He actually pushed down the referee because he didn't actually um, go for the actual pin. And 
that's normally when the referee ends and says you meant to go for the pin and you pushed him down mm. didn't get disqualified because obviously Japan Pro Wrestling and disqualifications don't matter in New Japan Pro Wrestling as I've learned throughout watching it yeah they, it, it's very much referee's discretion you hear that phrase a lot don't you um, yeah of course his more recent MMA training is, is definitely showing he, he pulls out a lot of MMA style strikes a lot of MMA um, moves um, you did you did then write in your notes here three stars maybe or less but still better than WWE would you would you still agree with that yeah yeah I would say it's still better than WWE but still a WWE match all the same Mm, fair play um, Akada jumps the rail a la RVD and Jericho hits a code breaker to counter we get a tombstone reverse series back and forth which leads to the walls of Jericho and a shout of ask him ask him ask him ref ask him ask him ref ask him Jericho hits an old school double underhook powerbomb for a two count Osaka textbook Jericho yeah yeah it really is um, it's it's very much a move that he broke out a lot in WCW and has continued to break out since um, Osaka as an audience are behind Chris Jericho they hit the Y2J chance pretty hard during this point um, we get a callback to Okada versus Omega with a Rainmaker that is reversed into an Insiguri um Really, really nice segment that is, um, and it's followed by a picture. Perfect lion salt. Um, Akada kicks out of the code breaker near to the three count. It was very, very close. Um, we got a German suplex that holds on a rainmaker attempt. Chris Jericho ducks under and tie- tries his own attempt at a rainmaker, which Akada then ducks and comes back with a code breaker on Jericho. Followed by a lion tamer. Um, the match ends with a missed Rainmaker following a codebreaker attempt caught by Akada. Jericho goes for a sunset flip to pin, but is caught by Akada as he drops his shoulders for the three count. Um, I can see what you mean by a WWE feel. Um, there's very much this false finish kind of attitude to it all. Um, which kind of permeates throughout the match, really, doesn't it? From the moment it they does. go outside and come back into the ring, um, yeah, quite something, quite something. Um, do you reckon that your thoughts are? I assume that um, Akada may have let Chris Jericho lead in the in the construction of this match. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what I've got here is. Well, what I said was overall the show is a pleasure to watch. The main event could have been better, uh, but saying that if WWE watches, oh wait, then yeah, wait, yeah, mm. um, edit that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was basically what I was saying was did um, Okada let Jericho take over the match um, due to respect for him, um, as he is the veteran of the business. Yeah, I mean, it would seem like a natural natural thing for Ricardo to do. He's known for paying his dues and respecting the business quite well, um, especially considering that all the business has afforded him. He's always been a consummate professional in that regard. I think we can certainly say that. He, yeah. um, he allows himself to bring out the best in his opponents and um, 
vice versa, I suppose, but also has no real ego when it comes to match construction, or at least that's how I've always felt. He's he's very willing to put over anybody, um, and putting over someone's style is as good as putting over somebody, especially if it's um, especially if it's someone like Chris Jericho who yeah can w- work multiple styles. But if a W van watches the Okada versus Jericho match and likes the match. They may go into the archive and find some more matches that they like of New Japan Pro Wrestling and then start watching that product. Yeah, I mean, it's a great showcase for Chris Jericho and Okada um, and a very good showcase for um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, even if it doesn't quite hit the heights of Jericho's previ- previous outings there. Um, so now I can understand your perspective on that. Um Chris Jericho, of course, pulled out of Fighter Fest um, this week. Just to end on some Chris Jericho news, we'll do a G1 look um, on another episode. I think we have ran very long today. Yeah, yeah Chris, Chris Jericho, Jericho and Fighter Fest. He pulled out um, of Fighter Fest because he was upset about it being a free event. Um, however, apparently, that's the whole story. I don't understand this part that. Uh, fat online uh, fire fest is a parody of fryer fest which is a festival that was called off because of a disaster planning greed and nothing working right um yeah i mean um fire festival obviously um three years ago now um it was a very badly put together music festival where a lot of very very rich manhattanites ended up um being um pushed into disaster relief tents right um, okay and they they paid they paid well well in excess of five thousand six thousand dollars for a ticket right um and nobody played they arrived at the venue um and what was promised to be a private island with all of the best um ended up being a small um refugee camp (laughs) Right, okay. <laughs> Which was really badly put together. There's a fascinating documentary on Netflix in regards to Fire Festival. Strongly recommend it. It's one of the better documentaries that isn't about wrestling that I've watched oh, this that, year. Is that the documentary about Jar Rule? Is that, that uh, yeah, no, Jarrell Jarrell was the one who started the um, who initially was involved in the announcement, uh, okay. and obviously he he fell away um, when it started looking like a shit show. But it was one of the bigger PR shit shows of um, of 2017. Um, was a really really major faux pas. The guy who organised Firefest ended up going to prison um, for basically fraud. It was it was a pretty vicious series of events. Yeah, well, I haven't watched that, so I should get into that. And that all makes sense. I'd go out of your way for it. it. It's, um, yeah, it's like the reverse of a WWE Network documentary about an event that went well. Um, it is just watching it all decline around you and fall apart, and you just you see mistake after mistake after mistake made. Um, really, really interesting, interesting example of it. Um, Jericho potentially entering the G1 tournament. Yeah. Um, backstage statement, he word for word apparently, it says maybe I'll show up in the G1. Uh, maybe I want to be in the G1. What do you think about that? Maybe I'll enter the G1. Is a car in the G1? Is Tanahashi in the G1? If they are, maybe I'll show up in the G1 and I'll kick John Moxley's ass too. 
he still owes me fifteen thousand dollars ripping my light up jacket three years ago. Nice. And the, some more good heel work from Jericho there. Yeah, I mean Jericho is somebody who is still still being the quintessential heel in this day and age. Which, when we're going into the um, when we well we're well into the post pipe bomb reality era, um, as it has often been called. He still manages to keep this this kayfabe pretty damn tight. He the only place where he doesn't touch his kayfabe is um, is obviously his podcast itself. Um, and to be honest, he sometimes dips into it there. He's he's very much I feel the template that will be used for heels moving forward in this in this generation of cross um, cross media, yeah, media, cross promotional media consumption content guy is a fucking genius <laughs> let's face it <laughs> um Akada has some words in regards to it um as well yeah um he said that was absolutely a Jericho match Akada admitted um he has an uncanny ability to change the rhythm think and catch you at times he's a great wrestler but I don't even want to adopt approach the style he has um, I don't respect his style um, I don't have the respect for the kind of low down fighting he doesn't need it um, after having however long he has been in the wrestling business in my opinion I'm fine either way if he wants to put me wants to put me to the belt on the line so I can get my revenge at that school but I feel it started something I need to finish so that's a very kayfabe answer by Okada. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Okada's always had respect for kayfabe, and it's understandable that he would. Um, where do you think from here, do you reckon he's going to... Um, do you reckon both will enter the G1? I mean, Okada's probably yeah, yeah, got to... Obviously, Okada, Tanahashi are both going to be the G1. And with, with mentioning John Moxley, um, that tells me mm. that they're all going to be in the same bracket. Quite possibly. I won't be surprised though if we do end up with. Well, if we have all those in the same bracket, get... that's going to be a fucking amazing bracket. Uh, the other bracket it is, is going to be a good bracket. It's going to be terrible. So we're going to flip a coin on that one, Rich. <laughs> um, well, my thoughts are that you're going to start off with um, Jericho and Moxley in the same bracket on the first night in Dallas, Texas. That would be my bet beat AEW to it. Fuck AEW. It's all about WWE. Um, okay, that's sounding a little bit out of character. Um, what... I mean, come on, Jay. This is this this is not sounding like you. What about Superstar Show? Superstar Show is one of the best. It's the greatest, greatest event. Greatest, 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 Okay, now it's definitely going to need to address. Great, 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 great,
Um, yeah. it's definitely a fresh breath, a fresh breath, breath there. <laughs> a fresh breath there. <laughs> there yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Um, it was yeah. great um, all the way through, apart from obviously in the main event for me. Um, I thought the whole um, event was worthy of watching. So if you haven't seen it yet, please go out your way to see it. Um, yeah, you, yeah, best match of the night was obviously Will Ospreay yeah. Dragon Lee, in my opinion. So yeah, if you listen to this podcast, I, if you I, haven't watched I, this yeah. event, please go see it because it's fucking awesome. You may you may find other means of watching wrestling, um, but New Japan Pro Wrestling World is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. No, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. It's um, a fairly good service and it is available for a very competitive price. Um, I'm certainly signed up. I'm, I'm, s- I'm certainly paying it. like seven quid a month for it. Yeah, it's like six, 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 nine hundred and ninety-nine yen, yeah. um, which which works out about six hundred six six pounds. Sorry. Um, so yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, anything else we need to say, Jay? What was all that time juke, 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 time juke? What, what? Stuff about. What? Seems like nothing to me. Let's record another one. Coming soon on JFabe, our hero's story continues. In the legends and tales of Time Duke history, there is the story of a man out of time and his Time Duke companion, a lost friend, a broken enemy, and a whisper on the wind. In a hostile environment, through which he thought there would be no return. He journeyed via air and sea, following a path forged in hardship and headlocks and Hulk Hogan. In a world he once knew it was new again, where wrestling was traded on magnetic tapes and spoken only in the old tongue. Determined to get back home, he traveled across the sea, searching for a sign and in each new city would open its home and look at the words it long stopped daring to speak out loud for it felt like a dream he knew he would find what he sought one day two words Jafay and he knew he would bring about its fall this is the story of Beard and the end of Jafabe Saturday the 2nd of February um, 2019, um, last week on the 26th, I want to say, Saturday the 26th. Yeah, it would have been Sunday morning. Yeah, it would have been Sunday yeah. morning, yeah, that kind of 
midday, midnight, and midday, 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 the next tea drop, um, an hour long pre-show, um, followed by two to three hours of three hours, three hours, three hours, three hours, hour, and three hours next day, three hours, seven hours of all one more content. Seven hours. Seven 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 by a Royal Rumble that overran by at least 45 minutes as an event. It is promising for that nine-hour that we have been waiting for, because the year they did six hours wasn't enough. 